listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. This episode of Integra X-Files is the second part to our conversation with Paul Baldwin. If you missed part one, be sure to check it out at IntegraXFiles.com. Welcome to the Integra X-Files, a place where we'll explore and solve for the X-Factor that will help reshape the future of long-term care pharmacy. Join us to discuss topics and insights that will help you discover ways to grow your pharmacy, stay up to date on important legislative and regulatory issues, learn best practices for operating a profitable pharmacy business, and unlock the mysteries of technology. So the topic we wanted to kind of pull the thread on is how do you expand your practice, right? So if you're a long-term care pharmacy, how do you think about where there's avenues for growth or to add on or to do more? And and in part, it does go back to this where it's like, hey, as we see, you know, drug prices being continually compressed and, you know, more and more pressure to do the same amount of work for less revenue, how do, how do pharmacies think about where else they find those opportunities? So I'll, yeah. I'll throw that out as the very broad question to you, Paul, yeah. and then we'll, we'll see where it goes. I think this is a great topic because, I mean, this is right now. I mean, if I were 30 years younger, this would be like, this would be a giant playground. It's like Disney yeah. World for a lobbyist or a health policy person, because this is this is a moment in history in which healthcare is poised to 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 make a significant shift in some direction. And what direction that is, we don't know. But you know, people are. I mean, people, policymakers, citizens, uh, other you know professionals realize that this tree of healthcare cannot grow to the sky. If, yeah. You know, there's got to be a limit. We cannot spend 100% of our GDP on healthcare. I mean, right. back in the Clinton, the years when, you know, the Clinton administration, when they were trying to do healthcare, um, you know, we were probably under 15% of GDP. And now we're we're pushing 20%. Um, we nobody ever thought. I mean, back in 1992, 93, nobody ever thought we would get to to this. We thought, okay, there's a le- natural limit to which, you know, to what we can do to to to, to spend on healthcare. Something will intervene, mm-hmm. and I think people say, you know, someday it'll be 20 percent. Oh no, we'll figure it out before then. Well, we haven't figured it out, and it's 20 percent. Okay, so. Something's going to happen, and you know we talked before the pro. You know, healthcare costs are the product of unit cost times volume, the utilization. So you know something's got to give here. Okay, so when we look at the landscape again, and we see you know incredible frustration on all sides. People, you know, p- people, you know, look at the amount of money we you know we spend on healthcare. We're not getting the best outcomes in the world, even though we spend the most money per capita. Um, we've got, you know, confusing uh, uh, healthcare rules and regulations. It's, it's, you know, you talked about before how confusing and complicated the the system is. But we're, you know, we're spending more than ever. We're not getting, you know, improved outcomes. You know, there comes a point, and we're, I think, we're close to it, where people say, okay, this has got to change, and it's got to change in this way. All mm-hmm. right. So, I mean. So this is going to happen, you know, before too long. Now we look at long-term care pharmacy, and you know, 
right now the the long-term care business is becoming deinstitutionalized and there's just you know nobody i mean i and i love the folks i i think some of the most dedicated healthcare professionals are around are people who run nursing homes yeah. my mother-in-law has was in a nursing home for for months and we used to go in there and i just marvel at the quality of the people they had and the compassion they had and you know just really dedicated people but nobody wants to be in a nursing home nobody wants to no. send their loved ones to a nursing home. no and yep. and the pandemic made that worse right I mean, exactly Absolutely. scared to go and get stuck yeah i mean forty thousand people in forty thousand nursing homes in new york state alone died as a result of you know being of covid because yeah. of you know, it was home. bad policy. We look back and say, yeah, it was probably bad policy. But but it's a you're you got you got vulnerable people all in close proximity. You know, what do you think is gonna happen? Right. Um yeah, right. and this is just not a good place to be. So, you know, the move was already being made to to deinstitutionalize healthcare. So we got home and community-based services, we got you know, uh, a reliance on different, you know, non-institutional uh places to go you know yeah. we're 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 moving you know into into we're we're going to be forced to go into into different venues it's not institutionalized business anymore so i mean if you look at expansion i mean and look at all the different noise that's going around in healthcare in general there's there there are places to go that are proximal to us home care is one place I mean, home care is a roughly $130 billion business. There's 11,000 home health care agencies. Mm -hmm. And primarily, this is the interesting thing, though. Home care is a primarily a, a private insurance uh, reimbursed. They're not as dependent upon Medicare and Medicaid mm -hmm. as the as we are as a long-term care pharmacy mm -hmm. business. I mean, 90% of revenue we get is based on state and federal government policy and uh, regulation so you know in medicaid and medicare so there's 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 an opportunity there but you know and there's hospice hospice is is a, a growing entity and there was an interesting and i and i scanned an interesting article that i got through the national library of medicine that said there was talking about the impact of having a pharmacist engaged in hospice and the, you know the one of the one of the observations was that pharmacists are really up underrepresented in hospice that if you know because remember i mean hospice is palliative care it's right. supposed to be you know we're not going to try to cure you we're going to make you as comfortable as we comfortable remaining yeah. days and it was and it's, so it's medication intensive often and it requires people who have have the ability to uh to properly manage uh you know potent medications so hospice is another place and that's you know there's a medicare benefit for hospice but private sector is is actually more active um <clears throat> the other you know there are places that i've that i looked at i'm looking see i'm looking at my notes here because i i think um oh the other the other thing is we and i talked about this in a in a in a blog or a article i did in my usual monthly thing for the senior care pharmacists at ascp and they were interested in in uh, chronic care how how mm. how the federal government supports and encourages you know chronic care management or, or management for chronic diseases and 
this is an area where there's you know a, a fairly healthy Medicare reimbursement for physicians and providers who you know and the fee for service side that want to engage in the management of chronic people with right. chronic disease. But it's not, it's under really underutilized. And I mean, I think about what the opportunities are there for an enterprising pharmacist to be able to go in and say, you know, there's something here, there's something I can do, I can add value. The mindset of this whole thing, though, if you look in the private sector, and I'll just mention this because I don't want to forget it. One of one of the things that I think is 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 an op, a, a big opportunity, and it's outside of our normal areas of care. Uh, is is the area of healthcare and the in the employer as an as an employee mm-hmm. yep. benefit? This is, you know, I, I remember th- the reason that this even got started. Me me thinking about this was several years ago when I was at LTCPA. We were we were briefing a, a PR a, a communications agency on our portfolio. Uh, they were going to do some work for us. So we spent a day talking with them uh, about what we, so I was talking to them about, about uh, what a consultant pharmacist does. Mm-hmm. And the guy who's a seasoned professional, he was in his mid fifties. He puts down his dry marker and he looks at me and he says, say that again. He said, these pharmacists, they go in and they check on the drug regimens for these people. I said, yeah, mm-hmm. once a month. He said, you know, said, my my parents are well into their 80s. They they don't, they're not in a nursing home. They live each other. He says, every time I go to their house and open their drug cabinet, cabinet, my heart sinks because I know, I don't know what those things are. Yeah. And I know they don't know what they those Well, and it's has yeah. the doctor, you know, gone back and yeah. looked at everything else they're taking and yep. looked at it holistically. Or gotten from and, another physician yeah. that he doesn't yeah. know about. Yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah. The guy says to me, he says, I want to find one of the I'll pay for this. I don't <laughs> yeah. you know, this yeah. is, you know, and now okay, so now look at today. This is this is over 20 years ago. I'm talking now, look at today. Today. You know, people are, I mean, uh, uh, employers are having a hard time keeping the employees satisfied. And we talk yeah. about benefits. And of course, you know, benefits are uh, yeah. something like 40 plus percent of like big, you know, Fortune 500 companies have what they call an elder care benefit for their employees. But when you look deeper into that, it's 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 pretty thin. It's like a referral service. You know, you yeah. need to find care for your, you know, home care or nursing care for your your age, you know, your mother-in-law or something, you know, we'll, well, you know, here's a number to call and we'll help you out. It's like an employee, you know, referral service or something. So it's not very well, uh, not very well thought out and and not, it's not a very deep benefit, but they call it an elder care benefit. Now today, 70 plus percent, according to the society for health resource, human resource management, 73% of employees, are caretaker. That sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. 73% of employees have responsibility for taking care of an elderly relative. Mm-hmm. Now that may be full-time, part-time, whatever it is, but it's it, it there's there's a significant number of workers that have responsibility for taking care of someone who's re, usually related to them. So this puts a huge amount of stress on the system. And they could document, you know, how many times people who are employed take off from work because they have to 
you know, tend to the needs of uh, somebody they have a caretaking responsibility for. So it's just, this is a big, a big deal. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking to myself, and I talked about this to a friend of mine who was our, you know, a VP of corporate benefits for the company I used to work for in pharmaceutical industry. And I said, what if we, what, is there a possibility for a benefit, an employee benefit that provided on demand, you know, or, or as needed resources of a, of a senior care pharmacist to be able to go in and, and, and take care of an employee's designated elder and review their medication, do a drug regimen review, talk to their physician about streamlining or changing medications and that kind of stuff. And he's, and he, the first answer he got, I thought this was interesting because the first answer he gave me was, yeah, yeah, send me something on it. I'll, I'll find out. And I thought, okay, he wasn't really okay. enthusiastic. I'm he wasn't going. Going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he calls me a couple of weeks later and he says, you know that thing you sent me? He said, I talked to a couple guys. Something there. Yeah. And I'm thinking, really? I mean, these his peers were Fortune 500. Yeah. Uh, there you go. So these these guys were, uh, and he says, you know, maybe you got something there. And I, I, you know, I went on to, I was in a different place at the time, but I thought, well, that's interesting. It, it is. It's uh, it's fascinating because I think one of the things I think about, you know, as I've watched the industry since I, I started working in healthcare is, gosh, ACOs and accountable care and all of that was all the rage of the talk, yep. you know, the early 2010s. Right. And if you look at how many organizations truly are an accountable care organization now, it's not that many. It hasn't changed dramatically over that time. And in my head, one of the missing links is pharmacy, right? If you're a physician's office and you're saying, hey, I'm going to be accountable for this population of patients, uh, how much of making sure those patients are healthy and successful is dependent on they take the right medications and they take them on time and they can afford their medications. But there's such a massive disconnect in the data and the operations of those physician practices and pharmacies. So I've thought the same thing where, where whether it's the pharmacy is sort of partnering with an employer or partnering with a physician practice or partnering with somebody else to make sure that, Hey, there's really high risk patients that are on a lot of meds, you know, that there's that kind of communication. You might actually find that there's, you know, accountable care type dollars available right. to pharmacies to right. do that type of work. See, and that that's that's the thing I think is it's, it's super exciting about all this because I think the payers are now they're in a mood to listen. Yeah. more than they have been in the past because they have an economic incentive to if anybody mm-hmm. even has a potential promise of stopping the bleeding, they're willing to listen and pay attention. So, you know, imagine this. I mean, I mean, just to, just to riff off of, of, of that concept, what if, I mean, if I were a physician, if I were a primary care physician, patients would be in trouble. However, imagine, <laughs> imagine I were a good physician. <laughs> what I think what I would be, what I would most likely do as a practice setup mm-hmm. is that I would... I would get, you know, have somebody who could give a good history, get us good. Let's get a good history on the patient to remember we capture everything and do an exam. I would give a diagnosis and then I'd stop there. I'd send them to my in-house and my in-practice pharmacist who would then say, all right, you know, based upon my understanding of, you know, you have 
diabetes, you know, type two diabetes, you got hypertension, whatever the thing is, mm -hmm. based upon the combination of cost and efficacy and convenience of use and all these kind of factors, let's have a conversation about what we could do. You have a conversation with the patient. This never happens, by the way. I nope. mean, you get a script for your physician. You're lucky if they tell you what it's for. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, I was like, and they don't have the information to have a conversation they, about no. cost with you. Like they, no. they don't right. have it, right? So you, so you send the patient before you leave. Stop by the pharmacist yeah. who's next door. You'll have In a consultation yep. if, if necessary. If the state doesn't allow you to prescribe, the the pharmacist will send me a note. I'll sign the script. You'll go to your Rite Aid yeah. or your CVS and pick it up. That's the way. That's the way it ought to be done. Yeah. I mean, now there's lots of reasons why it's difficult to do that. I mean, most of it's, you know, turf issues with physicians. Mm -hmm. um, sure. But this all starts at the state level. I mean, this the states control, you know, physician medical practice and pharmacy medical practice. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who say, hey, if you're a registered pharmacist with these qualifications, you get to prescribe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's there's... not the federal government. It's the states that do that. Yeah. yeah. There's, and I always go back that, to, that, oh, it can change that. everything. Yeah. Well, I go back to an example. So um, when I was at McKesson, we worked a lot with the University of Wisconsin uh, and they have, you know, within their healthcare system, they have a pharmacy and the laws there allow that pharmacist, you know, certain levels of prescriptive power under the guidance of the physician. And so, you know, they do transplants is one of the big things that they do. And for transplants patient, they'll basically say, look, wherever you are, you're going to get your meds from the rest of your life from our pharmacy uh -huh. because that pharmacist can work with the patient then on mm -hmm. all those. And, and you, you know, it's such a delicate surgery right. and a delicate balance to make sure you got the right mix of meds for it to be successful. Right. But it's the pharmacist who can do that and who can make those adjustments. And so it's, it, it really is like you, you see that path happening more in the hospitals where the doctor can prescribe pretty generally and the you know, the pharmacist at the hospital can make the specific, you know, right. choice of, you know, choice of med or choice of dose based on what the patient needs. Right. But yeah, it's like that hasn't translated in any way to the the retail or the long-term care yeah. world really yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, it takes, it takes, this, this is a lot of this stuff is, is not really, if it's, if it has been tried, it's been tried at, you know, at a local level or a, mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, somebody has written a paper about it says, yeah, this stuff works. But if you're going to be a pioneer, I mean, this is where mm -hmm. we need to change our minds and yeah. our, change our, our outlook, because if you're going to be a pioneer, now you guys are in the technology business. Yeah. And this is, I mean, your industry has a reputation for, you know, thinking big, um, you know, making bold, uh, you know, bold moves and doing stuff that we never, and I always tell people, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to uh, taking care of consumers, Mm -hmm. I said, nobody, I said, I guarantee you, nobody in the year 2005, when asked what they would want most to help change their lives, nobody described a handheld device that <laughs> yeah, would connect exactly. them to the internet. That's, watch, it's the old Ford, movies. you know, nobody if you ask people did. what they want, they say a faster horse, they don't say a car, yeah. right? Like, right. you right. got to think differently. Right. Yeah. And, yep. and Steve Jobs was right. He said, it's yeah. not the consumer's job to tell us what they want. That's yeah. our job. Yeah. And he that was a brilliant thing. It worked. And yeah. and that's in healthcare, we need to come to that mindset where we say, 
okay, this is what we need to do. And, and, you know, I mean, I think it must be frustrating for technology people to have to, and a lot of people have been frustrated. You see, it looks to me like Amazon and, and, you know, the, the big Google and the big tech companies, when they decided they wanted to get into healthcare, they didn't realize they didn't understand how, you know, I'll go back to my statement of it is the most complicated industry I've ever worked in. And so I sort of chuckle to myself every time I see one of the big tech companies say like, we can totally come in and fix healthcare. You know, and and then four years later, they're like, yeah, we've shut down the business because we realized we didn't <laughs> we understand figure it healthcare. Out. That's right. And I joke all the time. I'm like, until you figure out how to interface with a COBOL, you know, right. claim system, good luck to you, right? Yeah. Like you can't put an iPhall on a on a COBOL. <laughs> yeah, we used to say long-term but... care pharmacy was the second most re- uh, regulated industry after nuclear. nuclear. Nu- so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'd believe well, that. that. You know, yeah. we used to say yeah. that about pharmaceuticals, Um, you know, how yeah. regulated we were. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but the whole system is, you know, regulated beyond reason. But, yeah. Yeah, but the, again, this is this is the perfect time because I think we're going to see we're going to see the sort of not desperation, but the yeah. sort of, you know, looking looking at where we're headed. There are going to be people even who are who may be by nature less creative and bold than we would like them to be who are going to say, listen, I got to do something. This sounds reasonable. Yeah. And even though there's lots of reasons why perhaps, you know, we shouldn't do it, we got to do something. Yeah. Let's try this. And, and so I think that's, that's the beauty of the timing. I mean, this is the, this is an incredible time to be in, in the healthcare business and pharmacists are so, I mean, pharmacists are the in the perfect spot. Oh, they yeah. are. Uh, yeah. They're they're the most accessible healthcare professionals. By far. They are yeah. in the community. I mean, from a political perspective, sixty thousand pharmacies in the United States, three hundred and some odd thousand pharmacies. There are not sixty thousand PBMs in the United States. No. There are not sixty thousand <laughs> hospitals in the United nope. States. And, you know, very few members of Congress have a have a PBM in their district. Every exactly. one of them has dozens of pharmacists yeah. pharmacists yeah yeah yep. and that's you know we need to be able to flex our muscle in that way and not and but do it in a way that says hey we think we can save now historically yeah, that's that's it you gotta hit the thing that they care about the most which yeah, is and I, how do you, you know, low and, how are you going yeah. cost in the past you know when i was when i, when I started my my career in in uh policy and advocacy i was i was always i mean i was directly i was butting heads with the pharmacy industry i mean back in the in the uh early 2000 late 80s or you know 90s primarily the 90s the pharmacy industry was suing manufacturers over access to price discounts um you know robinson patman violations all sorts of stuff Mm -hmm. and you know we we were and we in the pharmaceutical industry were you know we had this hate hate relationship <laughs> you know we you know we just we were we were but you know that's that seems to have you know that's water under the bridge now um we've learned to to coexist but you know we pharmacy but the, but but pharmacy historically has not exercised its muscles when it does when it does it does well well, yeah. I mean, politically and from a policy perspective, the one mistake, though, that sometimes we make 
is that if you I cringe when I'm in these meetings and somebody will explain what what they're doing that's innovative. And then somebody from the back of the room, usually an old guy like me, says, how do you get paid for that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of talk among the consulting class or the professional cons, you know, business consultants who always talk about never leave money on the table. Yeah. Well, we got to leave money on the table. You know, Costco leaves money on the table. Amazon leaves money on the table. That's why they're Costco and Amazon. (laughs) Somebody coming along. Remember, you know, it's it's unit cost times volume that that makes healthcare costs. Somebody's going to have to be willing to say, first of all, you know, we're going to automate everything we can automate. Second of all, we're going to use our brains to to figure out how to deliver valuable services at a cost that doesn't break the bank. And we'll be able to 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 do that with the innovation and the and the and the scope of services that we can provide as the pharmacy community. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is huge. I think. I think this is huge opportunity. Yeah, I w- I always think there's that old saying, you know, in crisis opportunity. Yeah, yeah right. And yeah. this is one of them. It's like a, you know, you're we'll reach a crisis point at some point in healthcare where the costs just truly are unsustainable and care suffers yeah. for it. Yeah. And so how, how do you innovate now and how do you think of the different, you know, whether it's, you know, um, healthcare in the home is a great example of like, look, we're not adding long-term care beds and that's the right. population yeah, is true. aging. Exactly so right. like yeah. there's gotta be an answer. That's not just an incremental long-term care bed. Yeah. Um, so how do we how not do we let this crisis go to waste? Yeah. 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 That's right. To say, yeah. Hey, we can provide, you know, comparable or better care yeah. at a lower cost and and do it in a way that patients are happy and um, as healthy as they can be. And yeah. we can manage the cost. Yeah. Yeah. What's well, big opportunity, you know, and listen, I mean, one of the, 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 the big issue now, I mean, the, the headline issue for everybody is, you know, artificial intelligence. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, oh yeah. What, how, what are we going to do with artificial intelligence? Well, that, you know, well, that I think, you know, as you know, I, I put this on in the last one, the last blog post was, was, you know, what, what would you rather be? Would you rather be, you know, a consultant pharmacist or would you rather be a consultant pharmacist who knows how to use AI? AI. Yeah, I think, it's, I mean, these it's are huge. Tools. Yeah. And it is absolutely a conversation, you know, we're having internally right now around how do we use it? And I, I think of two things in healthcare, right? One is, I always say, it's like healthcare at some point will just leapfrog technology because we can't keep up. You know, it's like, we can't Mm -hmm. possibly march through all the generations that have existed, (laughs) but the folks will be successful are the ones who can figure out how do you, how do you leverage the newest stuff like Mm -hmm. an AI while working with technology that's 40 years old, because that is the reality of the industry, right? There are, um, and I don't care what part of the industry you're in, Right. There's technology out there doing really meaningful stuff still that's easily 40 years old, not older. And so you've got to be able to like and this is where the big tech guys struggle because they just live over in that. Like, what's the new fancy thing? It's like you want the new fancy thing. And to make the most out of the new fancy thing in healthcare, you got to be able to use the new fancy thing with a COBOL yeah. system, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we rely on, we, you know, we still, we still use fax machines. <laughs> we still yeah, use that. I, I Absolutely. Joke, like, I, the last company I was at, we did Medicare enrollment and I was like, it would, it would appall people <laughs> if they truly knew how many Medicare enrollments yep. were still done completely on paper. 
Like yeah. it would horrify people. In fact, saying is HIPAA compliant. That's why we. Yes, do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so. the thing. That's the thing. It's it's healthcare and lawyers, man, keeping taxes yeah. alive. Exactly. Yeah. So, I I just think this is this is a great this is a great subject, and I think yeah. you know I'm just gonna I'm excited to see how what what people what people do with this. I mean, there's we have a lot of innovators. It's, and I meet them all when I go to ASCP mm -hmm. meetings and I think, oh, these guys are really smart. They're creative. They're and, you know, we've got people all over the the, the map. You know, uh, I've met, you know, women that were looking at at, at exactly this, um, yeah. you know, the idea of, you know, how do we embed ourselves into primary care? And mm -hmm. and I've I, I just think, you know, these people need to be encouraged. These people need yeah. to be uh uh, uh, publicized and, and, you know, we need to lionize these, these folks, because these are the ones, these are the people who are going to take us to a change. That, yeah. You know, we can it, really, it is a, it a is a mindset group. shift. I mean, I laugh because yeah. when I first joined healthcare, I hadn't worked in healthcare and you, you get the benefit of like, oh, well this, you know, this industry is doing this. Why don't we do it that way? And you come with some fresh ideas and then you work in healthcare for a long time and you become the person in the back of the room. Who's like, well, you can't do that because of HIPAA. And how do you get paid for it? Like, you can't yeah. do that because of this regulation. Yeah. And I think of that old, it's, you know, one of those cliches I say all the time of like that improv lesson of you don't say no, but you say yes and. Yeah. And we need a little more of that in healthcare of saying like, okay, yes, that's a really good idea. Yep. And we have to think about this and how do we make now, it How do we right? get to the end? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Great. So tons of opportunity and it's a, uh, yeah, you know, it's a it's a maze to figure out how you get there, but has to be done. Yeah, I mean, and it takes it takes a, it takes curiosity. I mean, mm -hmm. and it and it takes a thick skin. You have to be willing, you know, we've heard we've heard these sort of Horatio Alger stories where people have been turned down hundreds of times and then finally yeah. they, you know, they get their break yeah. and they're become, you know, legendary. We have to be, you know, have to have that kind of resilience if we say you know, and be focused on the end result. You know, I'm determined to find a way to make healthcare accessible, less expensive. Um, and, you know, it, that that's sort of my mission in life. Yeah. And even I, I have to, I have to find a way to get in and, but, you know, it's like pushing a rock, you know, it, getting started is the whole thing. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I used to, you know, I used to, I'm, I'm a, I'm a private pilot, like, you know, oh, fun. Ed Vess and I are, are always talk about, you know, flying airplanes, um, having crashed one a couple of years ago, oh, I'm geez. less of a okay. pilot now than I used to be. However, you know, I, I always talk about, you know, you know, you take a, a, a 3000 pound little, you know, private airplane and mm -hmm. you start from zero and get it up to the speed where you need to, to take off. I said, that engine is just like screaming, saying, oh, this is too much. This is right. Yeah. Then you finally get airborne and things, you know, things, everything quiet down. It's quiet. Yeah. And yeah. the engine, you can pull back the throttle on the engine a little bit, give it some rest. And, but getting from zero to takeoff there. speed yeah. is that, that's like that. You got to have that mindset. I said, you know, and I'm you, in I'm in that yeah. point where I'm about to launch. Once I get up, things will get better. Yeah, and be able to work through that. I mean, it's, everybody who's entered started a business has been through oh, that. exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know the thing I've heard from talking to you know startups and about VC investors in healthcare is the it also is just it takes longer in healthcare. So if you're mm -hmm. and that's a sort of 
you know, a, a message, you know, I've heard them kind of deliver to other investors, which is, hey, if you're investing in a startup and, you know, the retail space, whatever, like you're probably fine and you can expect a return if it's going to be successful in X amount of time. And if you're in healthcare, double that. Yeah. So you've got to be that, you know, you're launching a big old plane. <laughs> like you gotta be the a little more you need a longer runway. You need a longer runway <laughs> yeah, good. to yeah. get that right. thing in the air. <laughs> yeah. Um and so some, you know, some investors just aren't patient enough That's to get tough. to the point where the, and I'm wondering, the money I'm comes. wondering about investors today. Are they patient enough yeah. to, to work through that process? It's all about me. It's immediate today. Mm-hmm. I want immediate results. And I'm not sure people are yeah. willing to wait that long or yeah. divest well, that. You know, but it's, I think if they, if you, if they look at the experience, I mean, as, you know, as Francis would say, look at look at the experience of the Amazons and the mm-hmm. Googles mm-hmm. and and the Apples and everybody else who's decided they want to be players in healthcare, and you know, they inevitably at some point in the mid to near future they say, "Wow, this is way this more is complicated." Hard. Than complicated. I this is really yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and 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 so I think anybody who's 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 experienced in investing in in technology and healthcare will say will will have to have if they're going to be successful, they have to temper their enthusiasm with some some realism and say this mm-hmm. is going to be patient. I'm not going to be able to flip this in a couple of years. This is right. going to be a long haul. It's a long yeah. play. Yeah. It's a long play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Paul, one of the things we do. In our podcast, I see Jim nodding at me. Exactly. We always yeah. ask folks at the end, you know, what's the X factor? What's the thing that our listeners should take away from this call and go do differently when they get up and, and go back to work tomorrow morning? Well, one thing, that's good. That's good to try to make me focus. Right? <laughs> I'm going to narrow you down. What's one thing? <laughs> okay. The one thing. Your runway just got shorter. <laughs> the one thing I think is to is to, is to be awake, pay attention. Look, look at the opportunities. The opportunities are right in front of your face. You're not seeing them. Now, we've talked about expanding your business. But the same thing is when it comes to automating what you can automate. If we're going to be successful in becoming, you know, reliable healthcare partners, the repetitive stuff that we do every day has to be automated. And we need to get on with it in a relatively you're not nobody wants to pay a retail pharmacist, $125,000 to count, lick, and stick. That yeah. is not a sustainable. You've had a heck of a right. lot of education to do just yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, right. So let's figure out how to automate anything that's repetitive, anything that's, you know, that that that, that can be automated, automate that, then free up your resources to think about, you know, how do we leverage all these technologies? But number one, though, the number one is pay attention. Look for opportunities to mm-hmm. automate anything. Oh, we do this all the time. We do it every day. We do it a thousand times a day. Well, you should automate that or figure out a way to automate that. Second of all is what's my customer? What, you know, what's, what, what am yeah. my customer going through there? That often will tell you what the next opportunity is. I mean, you know, my, my customers having issues related to, to keeping staff. Well, maybe that's an automated issue. Or, you know, maybe, you know, you, you look at the, at the at the managed care space and they're saying, you know, chronic illnesses are costing us an uncomfortable amount of money. Well, yeah, we think we can help with that. But 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 your experience, I'll tell you what the what what the most one of the most revelatory things for me was, was helping a senior citizen uh, 
straighten out a, 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 a that I mean, this person was 87 years old, confused. They were kept getting bills from the hospital for a for two hospitalizations they had Jeez. the year before. And he said, I had I have no idea, no idea what I owe. I can you help me? And I said, Yeah, I think I can. So we did. We went through and you know, I see he, he thought he owed him like six thousand bucks. And I said, by the time we got through dealing with the hospital, he said, I said, you owe him eighteen hundred bucks. Can you do yeah. that? He said, Yeah, I can do that. I can't do six thousand. I can do that. Yeah. And he said, I can sleep at night. All right. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. But the right. thing is, for me, I got a I got a picture of how you know how people interact. With yeah. these, I mean, these are these are not consumer friendly things. No, right and it's, now, there's you know, that theme of consumerization in healthcare, and I'm like, good luck because yeah, that's exactly true. that. No, like, that's right. really hard. But anybody who does this ought to be ought to be ought to be required to 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 to, to take a senior citizen under their wing and say, yeah. "We're going to figure out how to do this. Let me show you how to do this." You know, the and the other thing is, you just look at look at the. Uh, I know this was uh, X. This is one thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But this it, is the know, problem. We could go. Plus. We're just gonna have yeah. to have you on for another episode yeah. at some no, point. I, I, yeah, I love this stuff. part two, I mean, and we'll we'll start that episode with the story of the plane crash, which I'm both scared and excited <laughs> to hear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it was. It. I. I've made a good story out of it. So good, good. Well, hopefully you're okay. I mean, you're here. So, so yeah. that's a good, we know there's a DISA ending at least. Yes, there is. <laughs> Perfect. Well, this has been super, super fun. We really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to the Integra X-Files. We'd like to hear from you and gain your perspective on the X-Factor and improving long-term care pharmacy. Connect with us at IntegraXFiles.com. That's IntegraXFiles.com.